Welcome back to the Chris Massey Show. Today's guest, I'm glad to have here, um, very interesting guy, um, multifaceted. Uh, welcome to the show, Robert Young. Thank you for having me, Chris. I appreciate it. I appreciate you for taking your time because I know you're a very busy guy. Man. Yeah, relatively speaking, busy. <laughs> <laughs> you're actually, I noticed also that you're a very humble guy for what you've accomplished, and I appreciate that. You know. They say humility precedes honor, and you don't, you know what I'm saying? You don't talk about who you really are. So where do you get that from? Let's we'll start with that. That has to come from my dad. Mm -hmm. That started when I was little, just being around my my dad. And uh, he was a, a professional racquetball player and ran a, ran a Southfield Athletic Club That's from nice. 1969 to 1981. And I was born in 70, so I basically grew up around the gym okay. and around the locker room and uh, right. just a, like a gym rat. My older brother and I, we just running around, had free reign. It was an old gentleman's club, and there was a lot of characters there. Right. Um, they had, you know, you had, the, you had athletes and entertainers, and you had lawyers and judges, and uh, you also had the mob. Right. Uh, yeah. It was, you know, <laughs> and so my dad ran the place. He was the uh, the manager of the, of the the athletic director, nice. and so to see the way he operated in all those circles, mm -hmm. um, and how he was being, you know, he was such a humble guy. Right. Um, I think we just sort of grew up with like a quiet confidence around him, and knew when to speak and when to listen, and uh, just being around a lot of different, you know, people. Uh, older men that were having real conversations. Right. I think my brother and I just you know learned how to listen and and be good in that environment. And mm -hmm. and and my dad never bragged about who he met or who he played racquetball with or what was going on or what may have been in the news. Even later on in his life, he was always real humble about um, the experiences that he had. Where most people, if they had one of those experiences, would go and tell everybody. <laughs> right, right. And my dad was one of those guys that you could tell him something and he would never you know speak about it again and I think that's a part of where uh, we got that from and where I got that from for sure where I just can kind of sit in the cut in any situation and mm -hmm. any walk in any world and feel like I belong there as much as anybody else in the room and right. but not any more yeah. than anybody else in the room it's a respect thing and a quiet confidence you know you just go with the flow and have fun yeah know, enjoy the moment yeah exactly there are moments though when you do get tickled by the whole thing and you kind of <laughs> sit back and you're right. like did that just happen i mean that's the person like that i've been watching on tv or somebody i've admired or somebody yeah. that i can't believe i'm even around because it could be a dangerous situation and you're like wait a minute did, did i just break bread with that person <laughs> or did right. they just shake my hand and greet me like i was you know you know allowed to be in the same room as them and risk level of respect and I think you know that comes with that humbleness uh, before honor and I think that's an interesting point you just made because I think a lot of people fail to realize that these people are actually human beings as well mm -hmm. you know it's nothing like I mean there's nothing wrong with showing a certain level of admiration and respect but people act like certain individuals are larger than life and yes, it's sir. just like I get it because you know it's very inspirational just say for example a TV star you know it's like I know you but you don't know me like mm -hmm. you you don't know what influence that you have had so pe I get the excitement but right. and it's always cool when they return that that humility like you you know it's not like hey do you know who I am or right. you know who I am bow down <laughs> <laughs> you know it's funny I've my, my brother's in the movie and television yeah and comedy industry and I have been around it 
with him. I mean, he sort of took over at, you know from my after my dad uh, passed away. Um, in that, you know, in, in like that certain world as an adolescent growing up and then as a young adult and to my adulthood, my brother's been in the entertainment business. So I've had a chance in my entire life right. to literally be around, uh, you know, that, that yeah. world. And, um, yeah, you look at them and you just think, you know, you, you know, it's that old adage, you know, they put their pants on one leg at a time and, mm-hmm. you know, they get headaches and they twist their ankle and they've got issues at home and they've got personal things and right. they chew their food before they swallow. They, they, <laughs> right. They're right. just people, you know. Exactly. They're going to have a expect a life expectancy just like you are. Right. Um, and it's uh, it's it's a yeah. It kind of puts it in perspective a little bit, you know. I mean, if you're a person that's not around it, I can see where you you know, you idolize you know certain traits or things that and that's how you you live through that lens or that prism. Mm-hmm. I just I just I just I just happen to live in my own. Likewise, and um, see, I've been working in this entertainment industry. It's going on 14 years now, and so we've ha- probably had similar experiences. And what I've noticed also, a lot of people appreciate the fact that you treat them like a human being. <laughs> you know, it's like they appreciate it. Yeah, like, right. You ask them how their day is. Oh, it's going well. How's the fam? Happy birthday. All that stuff. Right. You know, and it's um, it's just fun. Yeah, you touched on it earlier. You said, uh, you know, you, you, these people the entertainers or, or you know people that are in the spotlight are in the spotlight so they can't see out but you can see in <laughs> right you right. talk to anybody that's on stage they can maybe see the front row but there might be 20,000 people behind them <laughs> yeah so like you know a guy like D.L. Hughley right mm-hmm. and for him to perform kings of comedy and you know do all these you know, uh, tours all over the world and right. to be known and recognized that's that can be a sad existence too or a lonely existence maybe not sad but like lonely mm-hmm. and that can lead to a lot of other things when you have a lot of that idle time but to have somebody like you that knows him personally and you can go up and say hey how you doing how was your day <laughs> right, <laughs> like you right. genuinely care about hey how is your day right, <laughs> you right. know he may have had a day that he would want to express to somebody but he doesn't know anybody to do that but to to have a true uh, person in front of them just that cares yeah. Um, because most people are snapping photos in their face or trying to get an <laughs> right. autograph and not really trying to get to know that person. A lot of these, uh, you know, they insulate themselves, and that's where a lot of, you know, problems come as well um, in that world where it's that double-edged sword. It's like, yeah, you get all this adulation, but you're also living a lonely life as a cave dweller. Right. That <laughs> right. you didn't grow up growing. You didn't grow You didn't want to. That wasn't, you know, those are the things they don't tell you when you get into um the entertainment business or when you hit a certain level that you actually have to isolate yourself to some degree from the rest of the world so exactly. it, it's really nice to be able to uh, understand that so when you are in those circles you can be real mm-hmm. I agree in your true self I agree and um, so we mentioned you, you you've been in the entertainment industry uh, you're an entrepreneur um, we talked about entrepreneurship last, our last conversation I found it interesting because about your innovative side you know you said you started with the business uh young and son uh-huh. and people automatically assume that it was handed down to you from like maybe your father or grandfather they didn't even <laughs> consider you being the actual founder <laughs> of right. the company yeah so they yeah i i started the name is is a legacy name mm-hmm. you know 
that's I mean that kind of goes with the legendary you know I it uh, the brand I mean I when I started it it was simply uh, humble again you know I just really wanted to pay homage to my grandfather and my father that were in the scrap business mm -hmm. my father came from four brothers and then my brother and I are the only two kids in the family mm -hmm. and this was even before I had two sons myself right I wanted to name it young and sons probably because my my you know be my father and my grandfather after my dad left the scrap after he left the uh working at the athletic club mm -hmm. as the athletic director he went into the scrap business which my grandfather started right. and my grandfather uh then turned it over to my dad my dad took it over after my grandfather um got older and he was sort of like sanford and son you know that was like our favorite show on television and nice people that knew my dad was in the scrap business they would call him fred sanford you know <laughs> as a you know and and so there was something along those lines as well but it for me after my dad passed away and my grandfather had passed away and it was just me and my brother at the time and uh i was i was you know 24 25 years old when i started it it was just something that i just it was natural for me mm -hmm. it also gave me a name that um, gave it some history and mm -hmm. gave it some some strength and power and foundation right. to it as a young man in an industry that was sort of an old school old old school old ways uh network of of a different generation mm -hmm. um it kind of gave me a little bit of clout early on or at least you know a presence in the room and made people take notice early on so right. that was kind of nice too to to be in a, uh, a new industry for myself and have people question me. It opened up the dialogue because mm -hmm. right. they would say all the time, is your dad, did your dad or grandfather <laughs> start the business? And right. I'd say, no, man, it was just, and then I would tell them that story and it would mean even more to them. Exactly. Uh, that I was paying that back, you know, uh, to my to my family name and the honor of my family. So, and then it, it, it carried me through on a day-to-day -day, uh, basis as well. When I would go to uh, businesses or homeowners' homes to, to help mitigate damages or extract water or help them through a fire or a flood or something like that um, there was a level of tr uh, trust that was embedded in in, in just me being there um, f from them uh, because of that history and that story right because I would you know, everything was new to me back then so all I had was my story and that was that was my truth too mm -hmm. and so as much as I could tell them that would that would you know ingratiate them even more into trusting me Right, and it helped right. me build my business. It really did. The name it's, itself w was a brand in and of itself. It was a great name. And uh, I was known as the conscientious contractor. <laughs> nice, I mean, nice. I, I, you know, I got, right. I got known mm -hmm. for being the, like, the owner of a company that would actually show up at your business or your home mm -hmm. to help my team do the work inside your house. Right. And then when they would ask to speak to the owner or somebody higher up, I would do like an about face and turn around and go, I'm back. You know, <laughs> right. Here I am. I just exactly. got him for you. You know, he, he just walked in and walked out of the room. Let me go get him. And I come back. They're like, wait a minute. I'd right. say, yeah, that's me. You know? And I, I, like I said, I really admire and respect that. And um, that's how I tend to be with business also. Like I tell people all the time, I don't, nobody works for me and I don't work for anybody. We work with each other because, and that's why I think people are surprised by that dynamic. You know, they're like, can I talk with your boss? <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> <laughs> I can't work with my with my team, you know, uh -huh. like being hands on also. Uh -huh. I think that's a great it's a great thing that people appreciate. Right. And I would never ask somebody to do something I wasn't willing to do myself. Right. 
So when I started off as well, Chris, I had to go and get certified for mold remediation certification, applied microbial remediation technician, water restoration technician, fire restoration technician, odor control technician. I had to get recertified for all these things. So in a sense, I even put myself back through school to learn the business. I mean, I got in the business by chance. It wasn't like I went into this business thinking I'm going to go into uh, restoration or reconstruction or fire and flood. Right. I fell into it. I was simply going to go build houses or apartment complexes, buy some land, and then rent them. And that's what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. A friend of our family called and said they had a fire at their house. And I went over there and had to be this little old lady that was a friend of the family, had a fire. And uh, I walked in. The first thing she did was give me a hug and start crying mm. and, because she had lost all of her family heirlooms in the fire and lost right. her, her photo albums and uh, your wedding dress and all these sentimentalities around the house. And that was the only thing that she was focused on. She didn't care about all the material things. Right. She cared about the, the, the family history that she lost. Mm-hmm. you know. And that's what, what was really bothering her. And right at that moment when we were talking about it and and she was emotional about it the insurance adjuster walked in and said oh i'll let you and your mom have a moment you know (laughs) and she thought i was her son because i was holding on to her while she was you know crying in my arms Mm -hmm. and that was the start of my insurance restoration world because the insurance adjuster had never walked in on a contractor so to speak uh holding on to a crying customer (laughs) when she had walked in a a home and so she got to know me wanted to know a little bit more about me I was green behind the ears uh, about the insurance industry and I was willing to help this uh, insurance adjuster write the estimate I didn't know how to write an estimate right for fire or flood I mean I knew square footage of buildings and how to do takeoffs and things like that on how to you know price out quotes and bids and things like that but I had never done anything with the insurance company before mm-hmm. so I literally worked with this adjuster and she kind of taught me the ropes and she became one of my biggest advocates because she saw that I cared mm-hmm. and that I was willing to learn and that I was willing to put my best foot forward to do the right thing by this you know person and that's how I started in this industry is by just simply doing the right thing and flying by the seat of my pants and trying to help people and I got it was contagious mm-hmm. I caught the bug I I literally felt like because money follows, it doesn't lead, right? And right. so for me, that's been my entire career. It's like it's like helping somebody across the street or holding the door for a lady. Mm-hmm. Like there's just something about that that you just know that you did the right thing. Mm-hmm. You, you, you know, you stopped a kid from going into traffic. Mm-hmm. You know, you caught a ball before it hit somebody in the head. You know, you just, you know, just, just doing the right thing on a daily basis was my, that was a fuel for me. And I didn't know how I was going to make money. I didn't know how you got money doing this kind of work. All yeah, I knew right. was I was going to help. And it, it sort of just fell into its its place for me. That's I learned on the fly. Same here. You know, it's like I tell people often, I encourage them to just start. Because often you're going to end up somewhere you had no idea <laughs> that you were going to end up. Because I left school to seek entrepreneurship. I was taught do what you love and the money will come. And so, as a result, I love music. So I decided to pursue a career in the music industry. Didn't know exactly what aspect. I was like, I figured it out. I was assistants, managers, uh, tried to produce all type of things. I did that for two years. 
and I got introduced to podcasting in 2008. Something I didn't have any training in, never really studied or cared about radio. <laughs> and so, uh-huh. but it became something that I grew to love. And fast forward, podcasting is like the, one of those, is like one of the main industries right now. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I never would have thought that, but it's just you keep going and figuring things out until you find that thing that, fi- well, it finds you. Uh-huh. Just keep going. And um, Did you find it was a natural transition from what you were doing before in the music industry uh, yeah, yeah. to podcasting? Yeah, exactly. And it allowed me, honestly, to work in the music industry indirectly in a capacity that I'm comfortable with because I work with a lot of artists on my terms in a great way, you know. Whereas I don't have to, I ain't going to say play the game, but you understand it's not. Sure. I have leverage now. <laughs> and right, so, right. And you I have like, something, you have an outlet that they may want. Exactly. Like, it's a mutually, and that's what I like to do in business, create mutually beneficial situations and intera- uh, transactions. And uh, part of the reason, because we had talked the last time why I left school, but it was interesting that we have uh, some similarities because I mentioned Hurricane Katrina um, that's why I transferred to Howard from Dillard University in New Orleans. And that experience showed me that I had a purpose in life to just get out here. And you mentioned that you've experienced a hurricane or two before. Oh, yeah, several, actually. Uh, I've done a lot of work on hurricane. Actually, Hurricane Imelda right now is in, uh, you know, went over Texas. Mm. And there's another one out in the Atlantic. But, yeah, I've worked on probably 15 hurricanes in my career. Wow. I've got clients all over the United States now. Mm-hmm. So from that little one ho- one homeowner's house uh, <laughs> to portfolio uh, mm-hmm. emergency preparedness and priority response that we have for our clientele around the country now is uh, you know uh, it's almost on a global scale. We're doing work in Puerto Rico, the Hawaiian Islands, right, right, uh, right now as well. So in all fifty states. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, hurricanes. I have. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I cut my teeth on the commercial level uh, doing hurricane work because all I worked on was condos and apartments and hotels when I was down there, so large scale. Right. And that was pretty interesting as well, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just being in that environment and seeing a place that once had a million people along the coastline and they all had to evacuate, like Hurricane Katrina. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally the migration out of there was, you know, the population went, went down and the population in other states went up. You know, Houston, hundreds of thousands of people migrated from Hurricane Katrina and the population of Houston went up. Right. And then the hurricane, you know, Hurricane Harvey a couple of years ago hit there. And I w- we're down there doing work from that. And then obviously this is happening right now. And the people that we talk to have experienced both. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I've, I've experienced hurricanes. I mean, not, I've driven through them, you know, when I was going down to when we were allocating resources to the region. Mm-hmm. Driven down, I zigged when I should have zagged down the road, and I kind of was in the path of one. <laughs> right. And then I had to go all the way through New Orleans to come back down through the Gulf of Mexico to go east and come in through Fort Walton Beach and Biloxi, Mississippi, and right. get into the northern panhandle there, lower Alabama. And when Hurricane Opal hit, you know, for instance. So, yeah, I've been around it quite a bit. Um, and I've <laughs> yeah. seen some devastation. I see what it does to people. You know, it changes people. You know, you, you know, and everybody's got a unique story that comes out of it. And, right. uh, you know, these, unfortunately, sometimes people, uh, especially if they've, they, they've been hit a couple of times in those regions, um, it's hard for them to recover mentally. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, these days, uh, mental health is the new 
I think is is very important. What I find it interesting that's the topic of the day. Mm-hmm. You know, but I think it's very important and I'm glad people are starting to address these issues as opposed to just ignore them or cope, you know. So Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Honest honest to goodness, um I've told our team that if if they ever wanted to take a psychology class, a sociology class, or a communication class, we would pay for it. Nice, nice. Uh, because I don't think there's a, a, any better skills uh, understanding human nature. Mm-hmm. We can fix your property. We can fix any structure that you put in front of us. We can put it back together from a skyscraper to a, a you know, a, a tool shed. Right, right. Anything. Mm-hmm. But it's the human aspect of it that I think is the most important. And I'm not saying that we're therapists out there, but to understand the human nature and to understand how to, uh, you know, the, the idiosyncrasies of relationships and the idiosyncrasies of, of personalities from different regions mm-hmm. and what people have experienced, to be sensitive to that right. and have a sensitivity to that um, is, is paramount mm-hmm. sometimes to the actual work that's getting done. Right. Is just a, I can't tell you how many times I've you know, walked into a, a property and it's more about how are the people doing right. you know I want to I want to know first and foremost is everybody okay mm-hmm. it, do you need to talk outside right do you want to take a walk and talk about this mm-hmm. um, can we go sit somewhere quietly do we have to stand in the disaster strike zone mm-hmm. and go over this and rekindle this in your head after you've been through something like that for me it's about the human aspect of what we do is right. is, is completely and utterly the most important part of it and it goes for a lot across a lot of different industry but if you have a, a human nature you can screw up all you want because as long as there's trust and love built in it you, you know you'll be able to fix that problem going down the road and in our industry nothing's perfect because no no two structures are the same so there are going to be issues right and there's going to be personnel issues and there's going to be internal issues that you have to deal with but if you truly care if you just simply truly care about what you do mm-hmm. you love what you do if you love what you do then it's not work it's just human nature to be you know a good person and helping people out because everything else will fall into place you know i agree i yeah. witnessed that firsthand and that's what i've noticed and that's when i talk with people about marketing people don't want to be sold they can tell they appreciate a genuine individual they're going to spend their money regardless but you have an advantage or it increases your odds of that transaction whether you have to choose between the same product and it's like do i just get the product in a cash exchange or whatever or oh, that person actually cares about me so i'm going in the direction where i feel appreciated absolutely and, yeah and, that, and that's all everybody wants to be i've noticed that people whether they admit it or not wants to be a part of something and feel valued at some point and Definitely. that's why you have you know different brands and things why how they separate themselves from others because people love to be a part of something especially when it's something that contributes to their overall well-being uh-huh you know, it's funny, Chris. I literally walk into, I mean, you and I walked into here today. I hugged two people. Right. <laughs> Outside before we even came in here. I hugged three right. people and took four pictures. Exactly. Uh, you know, it's a, you, know, you connect with people on different levels. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is one of the most, you know, attractive things as well in business. And to be an entrepreneur is, you know, what is, what can, what makes you more attractive than, uh, a, a competitor, so to speak, mm-hmm. and that the differentials and the the 
the things that, that separate myself that I've always felt is I go back to uh, yeah that humble beginnings, mm-hmm. you know, and being uh, aware of my surroundings and understanding my audience and the people in the room that I'm in and to just be, you know, the genuine self that you can be, mm-hmm. you know, and always revert back to that, right. you know, you have some humility, uh, understand that you do have flaws and that you do, you know, you are a compassionate person and that you're not just putting on a facade, right. um, you know, experiences that, that I've had that I can relate to other people's experiences and listen to what is going on in their life right. as well. It's not as easy as it sounds, mm-hmm. uh, but if you come from a good place, uh, I think naturally you'll you'll overcome anything, you know, and they'll see the different, the, the, you know, the differentiators, um, you know, what the value add that you bring uh, to a room, like you said, you know, what's the difference between the same product, but it comes back to the people. Exactly. You know, mm-hmm. let me ask you a question about when you had to evacuate. Did you evacuate well in advance, or were you there and had to, you know, get through the the flood zones and was it a migration or were you simply you got out early uh, enough Saturday before I landed on Monday and I was I went to Jack uh, Cameron Mississippi right outside Jackson which is yeah right outside Jackson so Jackson got hit I was safe and then but I had to wait you know until it like we caught the back end which is the equivalent of like a heavy thunderstorm here we mm-hmm. lost electricity but we were fine and we didn't know what happened until the storm passed and then once we drove into, I, uh, I had to get a phone charger. So <laughs> we didn't know what happened. So we drove into the city. And that's when we started driving around trees. And like, oh, it must have happened or got real. Right. And I first saw what happened at a laundromat because we pulled it over because power lines was down. We just we saw people gathering inside looking at a TV. Yeah. And at that time, the TVs, you know, the old school TV. <laughs> and I looked up and that was the first time I saw this water to the treetops and I was like "Hmm." right wow biblical yeah absolutely biblical yep this is where you could have used an ark exactly I was like wow yeah I just left there you know yeah right and I noticed I was a part of history because I was I lived there the last year pre-Katrina in New Orleans so you know Mm -hmm. it literally will never be the same it changed the landscape of the future like absolutely the topography of that whole area has changed yeah uh, hopefully, you know, it'll be a long time before anything that devastating ever mm-hmm. happens again because uh, you go into those regions and you talk to anybody that was around mm-hmm. there at that time, and it's it's changed them. Yeah, they yeah, have yeah. a different uh, outlook on life now. I agree. I was down at Hurricane Opal uh, in 94 and 90, 94, 95, and I was... Uh, <laughs> And southern, there's something about southern hospitality. Yeah, I agree. There's <laughs> just yeah, something about it. I remember going down there. I was at this condominium complex, and these people, this little old couple, was there, and they're, you know, just looking for some help. But before <laughs> we really got into it, we drank lemonade and just sat on the porch. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. it was straight out of you know the right. Waltons. I mean, it was. <laughs> it could have been the sweetest. Right. I mean. I, I, I literally, uh, something about the people down there, I think the, the things that they've been through and the historical aspect of it from the, uh, the, those type of storms that it sort of bonds people together. Yeah, I agree. I agree, man. It changed me a lot. Yeah. Um, I appreciate you for taking your time, man. And uh, I know you're a busy guy, but is there anything else that you want to address that I didn't? 
No, I mean the legendary brand. I'd like to know where you came up with that. What was the inception of it? Now, I mean, I'm really asking for you to explain it to your listeners, but <laughs> I would really because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm down with it. I'm wearing a, a legendary shirt right now. Nice, nice. And my son wears a legendary hat, and I believe that we're all we all have our you know legendary stories, or we believe that we're legendary in some sort of way. And everybody has their story. I'm just curious, what what's your story in the inception of legendary? It's actually a byproduct of my journey as an entrepreneur. You know, the motto is "Believers become innovators, innovators become legendary," and it's 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 multi it's multiple components to it. But that faith, because I'm a very spiritual guy, that's what kept me going. And the word belief is synonymous with faith. And so I was like, I'm not the only person who needs encouragement. And then plus I had to monetize the podcast. That's what a lot of people don't realize. It's radio, you know. So I made Legendary the official sponsor of the Chris Massey show. But I'm like, I'm not just, just how I came up with the business model for the Chris Massey show. I have a story, but I'm not the only one with a story. That's why I mentioned earlier, I like to have business interactions that are mutually beneficial, as opposed to the Chris Massey show being about Chris Massey. That probably would have been short-lived and boring, but Mm -hmm. it's evolved because it's a platform for others to express themselves in an authentic way. Whereas Legendary, I'm not the only one who needs inspiration and encouragement, so it's an inspirational lifestyle brand. You know, that's that's where the concept comes from. Because my goal is to always contribute whenever I can to people's overall well-being. Because I was taught, you know, treat people like you want to be treated. Right. If I want to be loved and respected, I have to first give it uh-huh. in a genuine way, though. Right. And you see the love that we've been getting. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's everything we do is organic and natural. Right. So and with the podcast, I talk with people instead of at them or to them. It's just keep it simple. Life and business is simple. People make it complicated. Yeah, I, I appreciate that more than you know. I mean, because that's how I've kept it. You know, I wasn't the greatest student. I didn't, you know, Likewise. study. <laughs> we weren't rockets. You know, we weren't about to be, you know, you know, shooting rockets through the atmosphere. But right. we were, you know, we were going to you know, propel ourselves to the highest heights that we could get to. And there's no ceiling for us. Exactly. And, and the people that are around us, that we surround ourselves with, you know, have that you know, same core values and philosophy. And, mm-hmm. you know, you... you you can create that that atmosphere and that positivity around you just by the people that you have connected with and mm-hmm. you know I think you and I have you know, when we first met and we first connected on uh, you know just 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 meeting each other for the first time I think we both realized that you know, we have very similar uh, pasts and, right. and, and philosophy on life and mm-hmm. to get to that next level and that entrepreneurial spirit uh, that if you're gonna do something uh, why wait yeah, right. You know, because <laughs> you know, you didn't know that the podcast ten, eleven years ago was going to be the thing of the future, and here you <laughs> no, are, no, and you're, right. you know, you're a wily old veteran in it. You know, you're, right. you're, you, you've been, you, you, you could teach a class in it. You could teach the new up and comers, uh, just how to set it up and put it on, and and what the idea is behind it, and how to mm-hmm. monetize it, and turn it into a business. I mean, that's an entrepreneurial spirit that that does that, that mm-hmm. steps away from a career that's been you know an industry that's been around for you know 100 plus years is tried and true to step into something that's never been tried before right right that's a certain spirit that does that that's certain drive that does that it doesn't like you said you know money was going to follow that 
you know, it wasn't going to lead you to that or lead you into that. You did it because that's what your heart and soul and your mind told you to do and your belief system right. told you was the right thing to do. That's a certain spirit. Yeah, I agree. That's not like you read it in a textbook or, <laughs> right. you know, you, you, that's something you get from playing chess, you know, in a park with some old dude. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? That's, yeah. You're going to get it yeah. quicker there than you are sitting in a classroom. Mm -hmm. And, and I, that's what I respect about you, and that's why I think you and I connect on, on some of those, you know, deeper levels is that we both started off humbly and really worked at a craft that we weren't sure but it was new to us. Right, it felt right. It felt right. <laughs> yeah. It felt right. It felt like helping people. It felt like doing the right, aligning yourselves with people that wanted to do, uh, that wanted help or want to do the, you know, you, they want, they, they want to get back on their feet and they want to, you know, get ahead. For me, it was, for me, it was just helping people that wanted to be helped. Exactly. I would say no to some clients and customers sometimes that I could sense they could care less. Mm -hmm. They wanted to try to cash out from the insurance claim or try to maximize their dollar. <laughs> right, right. And right. I'm not about that. I do just that would blow me away. That would knock me off my feet sometimes because I couldn't, I couldn't grab, you know, wrap my head around that. Mm -hmm. And my success came from trusting my gut instinct on that. Right. And a lot of a lot of it was, uh, and a lot of my success came from just simple, you know, raw feelings and raw emotions, and just going with my my, my instincts. And I feel that in you too, you know. And so Appreciate I think it. that's why we get along so well. <laughs> Likewise. Yeah. Appreciate so if I can ever come back, Chris, if I can ever, oh, man, yeah, I mean, because this, yeah, I mean, you get a little nervous, you get a little shaken up, I you know. don't know what you're going to talk about. <laughs> I told you before, I'm, I have to speak to think, not think to speak. <laughs> Or before I speak, and so I am a. Uh, I don't know if this was a longer podcast. I'd probably be, you know, you probably get a lot more, you know, one-liners out of me or, or man, you know, something. You know, but. My door is open, and I told you, thank you for. Like this is my first show in a while. You know, I was uh, working on working on other projects, but now I'm back. So you brought me out. <laughs> uh, appreciate yeah. you. And what's the best way for people to uh, contact you if they would like to? Uh, you can, you know, I'll give you my cell phone. <laughs> give your cell I phone on this. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, well, you, you can uh, my, my presence or yeah, I'm on. Um, I'm on Instagram. Um, it's uh, Robert Young, the kid. Uh, Twenty six. Is that what it is? I don't think that's what it is. I mean, Robert Young. The kid is my nickname, and number twenty six was always been my number my whole life. Nice, nice. So, <laughs> Robert Young, the kid twenty six on Instagram. Um, if you, well, anybody wants to email me any questions, mm -hmm. they're more than welcome to do that. Uh, I, I'm a mentor uh, throughout the city of Detroit Perfect. at the boxing gym, and um, so if anybody has any questions or feedback from this podcast or interview, I'm happy to. Uh, tell them my story or sit down with them and mm -hmm. you know take them uh, help if I can in any way um, and my email address is ryoung at blueteamco.com perfect, perfect that's like blue like the color team like a baseball team co.com nice nice and cool. I appreciate everyone for tuning in to the Chris Massey show if you want to stay updated with us everything is Chris Massey show on Instagram Facebook page YouTube channel coming soon and Thanks to Doc Illingsworth representing the group Detroit City for this segment's instrumental. You can follow him on Instagram and Twitter at Illingsworth, I-L-L-I-N-G-S-W-O-R-T-H.
And thank you for our official sponsor, the inspirational lifestyle brand, Legendary. The motto is believers become innovators, innovators become legendary. On the website, lgndre.com, you can follow us on Instagram at lgndre. Once again, Robert, I appreciate you taking your time and definitely looking forward to working with you again. Absolutely, Chris. Thank you. Thank you. Peace.